learner as far as the technology part of things in life. And, uh, but I will say that uh, I've enjoyed some of the uh, benefits of uh, the texting. I've, that's one of the things I did learn how to do several years back, and, and I've enjoyed that, and just the ability to be able to stay in touch with people and, and uh, throughout the week and all. But uh, this morning, I got a very, very sweet, special text from my daughter and, uh, and she said she was praying. She, she really loves our church, and she loves uh, the people of North Belt so much, and, and she loves her dad. And so she just said, just want you to know that I'm praying for you as you stand in the pulpit today to proclaim God's word kind of thing. And so that, that's encouraging when you know at least one person's praying for you. And then, uh, then two, I know what, Linda's praying for me. But uh, so I have a title. What would you think about that today? I have a title, and actually, I wish I could take credit for it, because uh, we were talking on the way in about uh, what the message was about and everything, and I said, but here's my title, and we said, eh, it's not really that great, and so we started kicking around different ideas, and Linda came up with one, and I said, you know what, I like that, that we're going to go with that, so here's what Linda suggested for the title uh, on the way in this morning, trusting God in the midst of our trials, trusting God in the midst of our trials. Let's turn to a very familiar, you know, it's so funny, y'all, I hope y'all can appreciate this, but being here so long and being here with so many different people, Mr. Jones, you know, he and I were very close. We were very close. And, you know, when he was out with the heart surgery, open heart surgery, I mowed the grounds when he, because hey, he was a grounds keeper. He's the one that did the grounds. So I took his place, and so he was a meticulous, I mean, he had, and he had a little building in the back, and he had everything lined up. It was like in perfect condition, and he would know, he would say, you've been in my building this week, haven't you? And I'd say, um, well, yes, sir, Mr. Jones, how'd you know? Well, there was some oil out of place. You know, so I mean, it was just amazing. So we had such a special relationship but um, we, we, we had a lot of deep discussions about life and about the struggles of life and, and the things that we were, were, all of us were facing. And, uh, and so we would talk about Scripture and talk about uh, what God was doing in each of our lives. And so this was a topic that we would talk about quite often. It's in, uh, and he would, and he would uh, be the one it would remind me of how many times I'd used that scripture this last year. And, uh, and he would say, he would come up to me, you know, and just in love. I mean, never in, he was never critical, but he would just come up and say, now, do you know how many times you've used that? I've got the dates beside it. And he said, you know, you use it six times this year or something like that. So I know I use this a lot, but this is, it's amazing when you go through life and you're trying to, you're walking with God and you're trying to understand what God is doing. You're trying to figure out what is God up to. And, uh, and that's kind of been a, a life goal of mine. So, but this verse in uh, Isaiah 55, 8, is one that I refer to an awful lot, but it's, it's just true. We need to understand it. And, and God says in his word, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the ways of God, someone said, and you probably remember years ago uh, at seminars and things, and someone said uh, a long time ago that uh, if you want to determine God's will, think about it the way you think you ought to do it, and then just turn to the opposite, and that's probably going to be God's will. Because God just doesn't, the way he operates, the way he functions, what he permits is so different. So I did the math, and after walking with God for approximately 58 years, that's, a lot, that's longer than some of you have been alive. But after walking with him this long, I thought it would be beneficial to share a few things that God is teaching us as we go through life at this, at this stage of our lives. And so along the way, as we've studied Scripture and we've walked with the Lord, we've tried to figure out and, and look at life's circumstances, life's situations. How is God working in this? What is God trying to accomplish in this? How is God using these circumstances in my life and in our lives? And just about the time, I think I've got it figured out. You know, and I, I'm just on the verge of saying, yes, I think I know. Then God allows something that's just totally out of it. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? How, why is that? I mean, that wasn't on the radar. And it seems to go against everything that I just thought I figured out. So then I have to scrap those ideas and start all over and say, okay, God, here I am. I, I'm really wanting to learn your ways. I'm wanting to learn how you operate and how, how, how we're to walk with you. So as we think about trials, as we think about life's journey, we need to remember, please make note of this, that my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And it's important. We need to be grounded in the Scripture. We need to understand certain things about God, and we need to understand about His ways. And His ways just are not like our ways. You know, I, I don't mean to be too hard on all of us, but sometimes we have a real struggle with thinking too much like a human being. You know, we, we, when we, we are many times and we have to be careful, even when we pray that we're not, you know, trying to force our will on God's will. I mean, we're, it's almost like we're trying to get God to do what we want him to do because and God is no puppet I mean you don't pull strings and and have all these things all lined up and then God's going to perform or God's going to act I mean this is he is God he is sovereign he's God almighty he's the creator of everything he's got a will and I believe his will is in motion and my job is to figure out how to get on board with his will not to try to redirect his will not to try to tell him how to change his will, but how to get on board with him in the center of his will. Follow him. He knows what he's doing. He's God. So let him lead. So 
in this idea that his ways and our ways are so different, God allows circumstances in our lives that most of us, and I'll just speak for myself, I'll just say many of the things that God has allowed in my life I would have never, if I was God in his position, if I was looking at it from my perspective, I would not have allowed that to come. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be difficult or anything, but I'm just saying there are just things that he's allowed to come in my life, and I'm saying, God, I, I wouldn't have done that. And by the uggs and the amens and all this, I'm assuming you all are in the same boat with me. I mean, I think all of us would say, there are a lot of things that's come into our lives that we wouldn't have done it that way. And then there are tests. We talk a lot about the classrooms and the testing. Okay, I just I believe in that. That is a principle of the Word of God. I believe God tests His people. I think, from my perspective, there are a lot of tests that's come into my life that I probably wouldn't have allowed. I mean, I, it, they're difficult, they're challenging, and I would have never done it that way. But God has. God has allowed those tests to come. And so there have been times that I have prayed, and I really thought I had, I thought I had it figured out as I've prayed. And I'm praying for something to take place, and lo and behold, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and it didn't turn out the way I prayed. Could I just, could we just see anybody else ever have that happen to you? I've prayed and prayed and prayed and it didn't turn out exactly the way I prayed. Anybody? Okay, I think majority of us. It just, you know, you think you've got it figured out. And you, I mean, I've told you about Martha Martin. We prayed and prayed and prayed for her. You know, she, I mean, we had scripture. She'd obeyed her parents and all. And then she died and she left four little boys. And we just couldn't figure that one out. You know, why, God, did you? That was so difficult. So we prayed and things haven't turned out. But I'm going to tell you what. And I'm, I'm using this term. I want you to remember this. God allows certain things to, that we pray for when we pray and we see God answer. What a faith builder those answered prayers are. I mean, do you take note? Are you paying attention when you pray and God does something really spectacular? And it's not really because of my faith or my prayer. It's just God's doing what he wants to do, what he desires to do. He is a sovereign God. But when we are in line with his will and we pray according to his will and then and God answers and does something. I mean, it. I mean, I'm just like walking on. I mean, it's just so powerful. It's just so encouraging to see God when when he answers something we've been praying for. And it's bigger, many times it's bigger and greater than we ever anticipated. So I want to take you back to another passage real quickly. I've got these marked in here so I can, I can turn to them. Uh, 1 John 5.11. 1 John 5.11. I'm going to read several of these verses here through 15. 
And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life is in His Son. There's no other way to get to heaven. It's only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't be baptized enough times to get to heaven. You've got to have faith in the Son of God. He's already finished the work on Calvary. He's done it all. He's paid it all. He is God in the flesh. We believe on Him and trust on Him for our salvation. And He'll save us. He that hath the Son hath life, and that he hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this, look at this, look at these words that you may know. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything According to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that he, we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now, you have to be so very careful praying according to God's will. We're going to have to be so careful praying according to God's will. And so the, the way to really discern, the way to really get to that place where you can begin to understand the will of God is you're going to have to spend time in the Word of God. You're going to have to spend time in the Word of God. You're going to have to spend some time in prayer and fellowship with the Father. And the more we know Him, the more we will know His heart. We will know His heart for lost souls. We'll know his heart of compassion, his heart of forgiveness, his heart of unconditional love. But you see, that's what the Apostle Paul prayed in Philippians. If you want to turn there in Philippians chapter 2, I'll flip over here real quickly. Actually, it's chapter, chapter 3. Uh, but these things were gained to me, or what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for, for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in Him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now then, verse 10, that I may know him. I think that is uh, when we get to that place and we're it's it's not like we arrive and we're done. It's I think it's an every day for a lifetime. Thing. I think it's something that's going on all through our lives that we're getting to know him better and better and better with each passing day. That I may know him. That I may know him. When we know him, we will know better how to pray. When we know him, we will be able to line up the scripture and basically what you're doing, you're praying according to the word of God. And so it's knowing him, but don't leave the rest of this out that I may know him 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. See, we just want the, the fun stuff. We don't, want to, we don't want to say, Lord, I want, to, uh, I want to enter into your fellowship of suffering. That's something we kind of want to leave out of the plan. That's what we want to drop off and say, that's not, that's not what I would do. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Being made conformable unto his death. Let me just, I've got several verses written down here, but let me just take you to, to Luke um, Luke 9.23. Let's just turn, if you will, to Luke 9.23. I've got several here, and I can give you the references. <clears throat> Years and years and years ago, I ran across uh, a, a sermon outline, and it was entitled, um, The Cost of Discipleship. In other words, it's the, the, the scriptures that refer to, these are the qualifications. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, here's what you need to be thinking about. And so in my Thompson, though, I noticed it's kind of amazing in the, in the notes on the middle of the, of the page of my Thompson, it says the conditions of discipleship. The conditions. I'd seen it years ago as the cost. This is showing it as the conditions of discipleship. If you want to be a disciple of Christ, here there are several qualifications. And he said unto them, all, if any man, now look at this, this is a very, very important. If any man will come after me, in other words, if you want to follow after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Now, the other references in Mark 8 34 and Matthew 16 24, they don't use the word daily. But I like this because it says, take up the cro your cross daily and follow me. So look at that. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, I know I've heard different things about this, but this is what I was taught and this is what... Um, one of my pastors taught me many, many years ago, way back in, uh, in the early uh, 70s, that the cross, people always talk about, well, this is my cross. This is my cross to bear. You know, I've got arthritis, or I've got a limp, or I've got a pain here, a pain there. He, he just said, I believe that scripture is referring, and when it says take up your cross, a cross is always a place to die. It's a place to die. That's what Jesus died. He was on the cross. He died on the cross. And so we need, So when you deny yourself and take up your cross daily, it is a daily death to self. It's a daily death to self. You see, that's part of our biggest problem in the Christian life is myself. I get in the way more than I get out of the way. 
If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. In other words, be selfless. Think more of others than you do yourself. You apply that in a marriage. You apply that in church. You apply that on the freeway driving. It's amazing how you can apply it. Deny yourself. Don't demand your own way. Don't demand your own will. Deny yourself and take up your cross daily. At place of death, daily. And follow me. I think when we get to that place, when we are recognizing, look, I've got to deny. You know, when I'm trying to decide the will of God and I'm trying to function in life, you need to really, it needs to be denying self. Deny self. Take up my cross daily and follow him. I think then we'll begin to scratch the surface, if you will, into his heart of compassion, into his heart. I mean, I, it is so hard for a human being to really understand the forgiveness of God. I mean, we say we do, we act like we do, we talk like we do, but I think inside of us and deep inside of us, it's hard to understand that if you have been born again, all of our sins in the past and all of our sins in the future that we'll ever commit have already been paid for. That's just hard to fathom, isn't it? Is that the way you treat your brother? Is that the way you treat your sister in Christ? Is that the way we treat each other at church? I'm going to tell you, I think when we get into understanding the heart of God and we get to know him, we deny ourselves. What This is what I want. Deny ourselves and take up my cross daily. It's, we can understand it's begin to grow and to understand his heart of compassion, his heart of forgiveness, and his heart of unconditional love. And I'm going to tell you what, unconditional love, I'm telling you. We, we draw lines, we say, you cross that line, you're done. You cross that line, you're toast. You, we're through. We're not going to speak anymore. We're, it's over with because you've crossed that line. Unconditional love doesn't. I mean, I'm going to tell you what, what I promise you, if we all got what we deserve from God, none of us would be here right now. We'd be toast. We'd be done. We'd have already had the plug pulled. By the way, we were having a little family get together here about two weeks ago. Everybody's in the living room. And uh, one of the, one of the I'll, I won't say a name, but one of them said something like, person's in their 90s and they're going to have certain treatments. I said, I just wonder why they're doing that in their 90s, you know. And We need to be thinking about his quality of life. And I said, I want to, I, I like that, quality of life. I said, that's why when we did our will, we had to really discern which child would be slow to pull the plug. Because, <laughs> you know, those are important decisions, by the way. And if y'all hadn't thought about it, you better start thinking about it. Slow to pull the plug. See, but a lot of Christians are quick to pull the plug. You cross that line. You're done. And I'm so glad God didn't do that to me. If he had, I would not be standing here in this pulpit today. I promise you. If he was, if he was like that, I would not be here. 
So then, as you're going along, you're thinking about the ways of God, and you're thinking about the circumstances, and you're thinking about all these things that, you know, and praying and trying to pray according to God's will, this thought comes to mind. And this is like, I have point number one, I forgot the point number one was, but the point number two is, can you trust me now? Can you trust me now? What was point number one? Does anybody know? Did I even make it clear? Probably didn't. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate your sense of humor. It was, uh, it was uh, lesson number one. The ways of God are different than our ways. So that was number one. Okay, so we got it. Number two, can you trust me now? So here we're going through life. God's ways are different than our ways. And we're trying to figure out how to pray according to God's will. And a lot of times it hadn't worked out the way I thought. And God is whispering in your ear. And it's not audible. Please, everybody understand. We're not talking about audible, but we're talking about the heart of God and God speaking to you and saying, can you trust me now? Here you are in this circumstance. Some of it, listen, some of our circumstances are self-inflicted. Huh? I tell my sister all the time about all the cows. They just swarm me. They act like they're starving to death. It's like, you know, thousand pound piranhas after me. And I said, yeah, I mean, and, and then I'll pause. And I'll say, but I know a lot of my trials are self-inflicted. So we have to, th so a lot of things we're facing, we might have brought on ourselves. And the first time that I heard that phrase, the very first time was in the 70s, early 70s, when my pastors, and those of you that have been around a while, you remember, and I'm not going to drag it out, but he and I were sitting in his Volkswagen Dr. Gerald Melton, and he was mentoring me, he was discipling me, and he was telling me about his daughter, youngest daughter, that had uh, uh, water on the brain, and the doctors at Texas Children said, we're going to have to put a, a stent in there and drain, drain the water off, and it's going to have to be there to keep the water drained off her brain. And so he said he was just crying on the floor before God, God, not my little girl, no. She may not survive the surgery. No, why? And he said, very softly, God said, can you trust me even now? Can you trust me even now? And I, I, I thought, man, that's a powerful thought. Well, now then, all these years later, God has allowed through circumstances, through our classrooms, through our impossible seeming situations, God is saying very lovingly, can you trust me now? Can you trust me now? In this set of circumstances, this classroom that I've allowed to come into your life, and God has led us step by step, Places where the finances never added up. Our first church didn't add up. Our second church didn't add up. And so little by little, gradually through life, God has allowed classroom after classroom after classroom and circumstance after circumstance after circumstance. And he gets us to that place. I believe God is so good at getting us to the end of ourselves 
And I, and I don't mean to be disrespectful or anything like that, but God knows exactly how to pull the rug out from under us to get us on our knees. Did y'all hear that? Now, that's directly from God to me, and I didn't read that in any commentary, okay? God knows exactly how to pull the rug out from under us so that we will go to our knees. And he knows what we need in each of our lives to accomplish that. Because he wants us to be totally dependent upon him. He will not share his glory. He does not want to share. He's just, he's a jealous God. And you and I need to understand that when he detects the slightest bit of self confidence, and pride in our lives. He knows how to do it to pull that rug so that we'll fall face down on our knees before God. But I'm going to tell you what, as you walk with him and you're on your face with him, you begin to gain assurance and you begin to gain confidence, not in my abilities, not in my personality, not in my strengths, but you begin to gain confidence in who he is, in his word, and what he's about to do in your life. You gain confidence. And then you come to the place as he takes you through trial after trial, he gets you the end of yourself. There's no place to turn. It's a Red Sea experience. And you look at the word of God and you, you pray to God and you say, yes, Lord, even now, in the midst of this most difficult challenge and trial, this hardest one I've ever had in my life, yes, Lord, I trust you even now. I trust you even now. The scripture really speaks to the fact that we need to trust him. Listen to these verses on the trust of the Lord. Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Psalm 37, 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 118.8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. Does that go along with that Isaiah 55.8? His ways are higher than our ways. His ways are so different than our ways. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. The Lord is saying to us today, can you trust me now? I've allowed a classroom. I've allowed some trials. I've allowed a set of new challenges in your life. They've come with my divine permission. And he's asking each one of us today, if we trust him, you can't do it apart. And I appreciate Pastor Will so much. I mean, just constantly 
driving us and keeping us in the Word of God. Re going back to the Word of God. The Word of God is our spiritual food. And you and I really need to understand we're not going to know Him. We're not going to be able to learn how to pray. We're not going to know how to face circumstances of trial apart from the Word of God. It's our spiritual food. You want to know His heart? You want to know His love? You want to know His forgiveness? You want to know His will for your life? You're going to have to get in His Word. And I just want to say something. It's very hard to say what I'm about to say. But the Word of God is just not so that we can retell the stories in the Bible. It's not just for information. It's not just for more knowledge. It's really when we read this book, when we, when we meditate on this book, it's really learning about God, about His ways, who He is, what He's about, how He works. And ultimately, as you read it, as we go through life, we ultimately learn how to trust Him in each classroom, in each set of circumstances, in each challenge, in each trial, we learn how to trust Him. Now, you remember the account in Luke one thirty-seven, where the angel was speaking to Mary and the, the conversation there and, and the Word of God says, and nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. I mean, you can look it up in all the concordances and all the Greek dictionaries and you can... And, Nothing means nothing. So I challenge you. Are we walking, trusting, allowing him to show himself strong and sufficient? Now, there's some sayings that are being tossed around today. They're, I think they're more than just sayings. And if we had the time, we would look all of it up, but... God's grace is always available and always sufficient. So about God's grace, it's always available, it's always sufficient. Okay, This is kind of like at the very tail end. God's grace is always available and always sufficient. There's scripture to back that up. Just remember, as we're going through life and we're trying to figure out where to turn, He's the vine and I'm the branch. He's the vine and I'm the branch. Also remember that he's the potter and we're the clay. He's the potter. We're the clay. We don't stand there with our fingers in God's face and trying to tell him how it is. We should be humbly falling down on our face before him saying, yes, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Even now, I trust you. In the face of this trial that I'm facing today, and church, I'm just going to have to tell you. I think as a church, we need to come to that place where we can say with confidence, it's not in our abilities that we're trusting in. It's not in our finances we're trusting in. We're trusting in God. He's the one that said he would supply our need. So let's trust him as a church, as a, as a body of believers. So let's pray and ask the Lord to do a work and we'll respond accordingly. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you 
for the uh, word of God. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you never give up on us, that you're always good all the time. We thank you that you never make any mistakes. And we pray now that you would just continue to do a work in our hearts. Help us to be pliable, moldable in your hand. I pray that you'd accomplish your will and that uh, we'd be obedient to you. We'd follow you. We'd deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow you. We trust you, Father. We trust you for the future. We trust you for the day. We trust you for the trials that we're going through. We trust you because we're trusting in you, not in ourselves. Not in man, but in almighty God. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.